Hey there, and welcome to the Leap Podcast. Striving to meet the greatest challenges facing humanity, Leap is a global tech event and a platform for unearthing the minds of some of the most influential people on the planet. Join our conversations as we explore the pivotal role technology has in reshaping our world. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leaping Podcast series. I'm Richard Spur. Today's focus is on the investor stage. Now, Mohamed Al-Fayed is the managing partner of Tajawaz, a technology leader with over 15 years of experience, growing companies in the telecommunications, security and IT services industry. Hamid managed such products with a cumulative online transaction value of over $300 million and over 100,000 active users. Most importantly, he is an engineer at heart, with over 15 years of hands-on development of full-stack web and mobile applications, telecoms network and systems design and applications. Hamad is passionate about innovative startups and ideas that are shaping our future, connecting forward-looking investors and corporates with passionate founders. Welcome. What is your general advice to those who are pitching for startups? Well, the reality of the situation is this. There are thousands of startups and they're all vying for investor money, right? So for every startup that successfully raises any round, you have a hundred others that don't even see a cent. And we only hear about that one company, Richard, right? We see their photos and the media loves to talk about them. So what this does is it creates a false pretense for everybody else. Everybody thinks everybody else is raising. So what's happened in the past three years, it's become conventional that if I have a startup, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to talk to an investor to get money. So what this has caused, it's caused entrepreneurs, they rush to investors with some kind of copy-paste strategy without an afterthought, And basically, they throw all their leverage away with investors. In the end, they get disappointed. And they they come to me and they ask me, hey, look, I'm not raising. Or even worse, a lot of them come to me and they come to a conclusion that they failed as a startup because they haven't raised. And I want to make it clear, Richard, there's absolutely no correlation with not raising and failure. And history has taught us this. Some of the greatest companies have not raised at early stages, companies like um, Shopify, even even Minecraft, right, which ran and grew to to millions of revenue before even thinking of approaching an investor or selling off the company for that matter. So my biggest advice is this, and it could be a prelude uh, to the podcast today. Understand and accept that raising money is not easy. And most companies actually never do raise. But don't let that stop you from achieving something that you believe in. Right? So make sure your objective as a founder is not to raise money per se, but to build a great company and to make sure to show that in your pitch. Because at the end, that's exactly what investors find attractive, right? A company and a founder who loves what they're doing and are doing it for the right reasons. And when you decide to pitch, it's so important that you stand out, especially during downturns in the economy that we're facing right now, where investor money is a bit tight. Well, that makes an enormous amount of sense. And, and what do you feel are the, the hallmarks of a great pitch? Well, to understand this, I'm going to ask you, Richard, why do you think a company pitches? To make money. 
Exactly. So founders I advise actually know this very intimately. When I talk to a group of entrepreneurs and I ask them this question, the standard answer I get is, well, I want to tell people about my company. I want to make money. I want to raise money. And some jokers out there say, you know, I want to get rich. It's none of that. None of that at all. Pitching is only about one thing. It's about getting attention. Don't expect that after your pitch, an investor will take out their checkbook, sign you a check. That happens after several meetings and proper due diligence. Pitching is about getting attention. That's it. Getting investors and people to want to have a conversation with you. You want them to open their eyes after your pitch and say, oh, wow, that is so interesting. You know, I have some questions. Can we meet again? You know what I mean? So once the investor is interested, then you've surpassed, in my opinion, the largest hump to any kind of fundraising because most of the startups don't even get that second meeting. So if it's about attention, then we need to make sure we present the best side of ourselves and our company to get the investors or the audience for that matter, right? Interested to talk to us. So how do we do that? And there's one surefire hallmark that can achieve attention. In my opinion, by far the most important point. And of course, I'm going to tell you the most neglected. And on top of that, it's also one that is very hard to teach. You can't tell someone to do this. They need to do it for themselves. And the answer to that is when you pitch, be formidable. Now, what do I mean by be formidable? It's about, how can I say this? It's about having strong knowledge of your industry and your customers and making sure it shines throughout your pitch. So, for example, if you're creating a software for the construction industry, right? Show us how intimately you understand the construction process. Uh, we have a company who's, um, who I'm advising who, who's, who's creating a software for offshore oil rigs in the oil and gas industry, right? Uh, it's important for them to show us that they understand the infrastructure and the issues that the industry is facing or the intricacies of their maintenance operations. If you're, uh, I don't know, if you have a startup that, that helps trade dust in the banking industry, uh, show us through your pitch that you understand about investment trades, about arbitrage mechanisms or whatever. Any industry, doesn't matter, education, media. Basically, give us unique insights that support the need of your product. It's about giving an investor an aha moment, right? And suddenly, you become an expert and you build instant trust because you taught us something new. That's kind of the, in my opinion, the biggest hallmark, and it's either, you know, you win it or you lose it in a pitch. It's a very nice insight, that. And I just wonder, um, Hamid, you know, is there one thing maybe, or maybe a couple of things, that you feel pitches consistently do that is overdone or um, too conventional and, you know, maybe should be changed? Oh, that's an easy one, Richard. Believe it or not, uh, most pitches don't, know how to say exactly what it is they do. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced this before, Richard. I don't know, maybe on your podcast, but it happens to me daily. Now, many times I'm sitting listening to a pitch and I listen to a couple of pitches a day. Uh, and 30 seconds into the pitch, I still have no idea what, they're, what they do. And for, and for some, the first words out of their mouth sound something like this. And I'm going to give you an example. We are transforming the attitudes of people using artificial intelligence to help them live a more healthier lifestyle. And then one minute in, I still don't know what they're, what they're doing. Is it an app? Is it a website? Is it a consulting service, a device? Now, the vast majority of companies, and this is what they do, and it's, hap it's happening on a daily basis, 
They hide their ideas behind buzzwords and action verbs. You know, any, anything that's cool this month, right? AI, ML transformation, metaverse, best in class, must have. And I'm like, look, I have no idea what they're talking about. So it's, I think it, it comes down to them having an attempt to make their idea more mainstream or possibly trying to make it more exciting. And it has exactly the opposite effect. I'll tell you this. It makes the investor feel that the founder lacks confidence in simply telling us what they do. And my biggest advice is this to those people. Be efficient with your words. And I always say this, which shows me that you're efficient and practical with your thoughts and actions. Yes. Right? And then as an investor, I know you'll be efficient and resourceful with the money that I give you. So yeah, one sentence, tell us what you do. Please, please make it clear, concise, and be proud of your idea. It's getting that message home, isn't it? Um, and uh, I mean, Definitely. I wonder, do, do you think there are any differences that um, people need to be aware of between, let's say, uh, a one-minute pitch, sometimes you've only got one minute, uh, a three-minute pitch, or maybe um, a, a much longer meeting? Yeah, well, let me tell you something. There's, uh, w there's no such thing as a pitch that's above three minutes. And I'm going to say this very blatantly. If an investor gives you a 30-minute pitch, like what you said, it's a meeting. It means either they have nothing to do because they just want to meet you, or they're already interested in you, and then that's really a due diligence meeting, and they're trying to get to know more about you. And you already passed the test. So as far as pitching your startup, you need two things. Number one is your three-minute pitch. And this is the pitch that you present whenever you have a chance to an investor or a program or wherever, whatever occasion. If I was pitching, I would actually work that down to two minutes if it was my own company. Because the more you say during a pitch, the less the audience will remember the important things. You want them to remember. So why not just say the important things? Now, the next thing I advise everyone to do is prepare what I like to call your media pitch or 30-second elevator pitch. Yes, elevator, elevator pitch are still in fashion. It's still good to have one. What is you that? Save that? Well, you save it for interviews with media or, or whenever you are asked about your company. Uh, this should be conversational and allow you to quickly introduce your company when you have the chance, like on the fly. Uh, tell them what you do, basically. Tell them how big your market is and what have you accomplished so far, basically your traction quick, understandable, within 30 seconds. Sometimes you're walking around, you get an interview, mm. sometimes you meet an investor uh, randomly and you want to tell them about it. Memorize it, but keep it conversational. Sure. Know exactly what you have to say. Those two things. Everything else, Richard, is not a pitch. Everything else is a due diligence meeting. It's, it's your second and third meetings after that. Now, I imagine that you, Hamid, will have pitched before. Talk a little bit about that. Maybe mistakes you made. What did you learn from your experience of pitching? Yeah, so when I started my company in 2004 in our region, if I had walked into an investor's door and asked for money, they would have probably kicked me out. <laughs> it wasn't cool to pitch and ask for money at that time. They told me, hey, go to, the, go to a bank, right? But to answer your question, yes. I do pitch many times a month currently, and I've been pitching for the past years. And I pitch to investors for projects. I pitch investors for funds. I pitch for projects. And let me tell you something, Richard, it's no different than pitching your company. Now, one thing I realized that I did not realize when I was a founder earlier 
And it's a realization of investor motivation. And I know it's so simple, investor motivation, so simple. But you, it's unbelievable how uh, you know founders nowadays don't actually think about this concept. Understanding the investor's motivation is key because investors are interested in your startup or your company or your proposal only if it'll grow their investment. That's it. Investors that invest exclusively for social causes or because they love your idea, they're far and few. It's very hard to find those investors who invest in you because they love you or because they really believe in your idea. So if I were to summarize today's entire podcast into one sentence, it would be show the investor how big you can become. Now, if I have a slide on my pitch where I ask for money, right? I show that you need that money to reach a growth milestone, not a cost milestone. Now, a lot of pitches, when they say I need money, they say I need money to hire people. I need money to open an office sure. instead of talking about I need money to grow my users, yeah. to grow my revenue. That is the takeaway that I have taken and that is the attitude you have to have in a pitch, an attitude of growth. Startups only get three minutes usually uh, to pitch before Q&A at the competition. And if you could give three pieces of advice, what would those be, I wonder? Okay, three pieces of advice. Uh, first of all, the first advice is answer the six universal questions every investor wants to know. What you do, and we talked about that, basically your product. How will you make money? A little bit about your pricing. How big you can become? The potential of your product. How far along are you? Basically your traction. What makes you special? And a little brief about your team, especially if your team has done something remarkable in the past. But most importantly, Make sure you're conversational when pitching, tell us a story, and connect your slides with a journey. Gone are the days where a rigid, disconnected structure, this is the problem, this is the solution, this is the market. If you want to stand out, make sure your traction ties in with your market. Have a structure, but take us on a journey of your structure. So make sure that when you want to show your market size on your pitch, that it's intuitive. You know how it goes. And I don't know, uh, many people have done market sizing in the past. They go on Google, they search the industry size, right? My industry size is, for example, 70 billion pounds. Hopefully, uh, the number they find online is, is the region they're targeting. If not, then they need to use some calculations to estimate kind of the region's market size. Then they look back at it and say, hmm, maybe, you know what? Maybe we can capture 10% of this market. That's around 7 billion pounds. And that's our market size. And this is overdone and mostly not done in the right way and completely unintuitive and uninteresting. Instead, when you want to show how big you can be, go bottom up when trying to show your market size and show me how you can reach like 100 million revenue. So to, to kind of clarify this, because it's a bit technical, I'm going to ask you a question. Richard, do you like tomatoes? Um, I, <laughs> I can take them or leave them, to be honest with you, Hamad. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm cooked. I'm going to use tomatoes as an example, right? So if, I'm, if I have a company and I'm selling tomatoes and there's two ways to kind of introduce how big I can become. So instead of saying the tomato industry is 50 million in the UAE and I'll capture 10% or 5 million, I can say something like this. I can say 40 million tomatoes are being sold in the UAE per year. At $2 per tomato, our potential market size is 80 million. What this does is it connects your product and your pricing to the market size, and it's intuitive. Being intuitive is so, so, so important. Okay? So 
uh, a lot of people just when, when they're introducing their company or, or the market size, they start uh, uh, just bringing numbers from Google and trying to make, hopefully it makes sense to everybody, but it completely doesn't make sense. The second point is tell us what makes you special, not by listing all your features that you have that competitors don't have. The standard, you know, competitive slide, it's a bit overdone. It's good, but it's overdone. But by giving us a realization that you had about what your competitors were lacking or something they're doing wrong. Mm. So to make it easy for the audience or anybody interested in pitching, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to answer it. Answer this question during your pitch in a very creative way. And the question is this, what is it that you have realized that the biggest players and competitors in the market have not realized? If you can make your answer to this question compelling and give your audience an epiphany or create a eureka moment for the audience, then you've done something, in my opinion, most pitches actually fail to do. And you should be on your way to getting investor attention very easily. I find this very interesting. And as a broadcaster, um, what I know is that creating whatever type, it doesn't matter, but creating an emotional reaction, an emotional um, engagement with your audience is crucial to that successful connection. It strikes me that this is the same when one is marketeering. It's no different at all, Richard. This is some uh, being empathetic towards the investor's feeling, understanding the investor's motivation is so close to what you do in broadcasting. Definitely something people are missing out on. You need to understand their motivations. You need to, to, to create a feeling within them because a lot of these early stage investment ideas, the uh, uh, decisions on investing come out from, a, from an emotional aspect as well as a commercial aspect. They need to have a feeling, almost I like to call it a seed of interest, before they take the next step and do the due diligence, for sure, 100%, on point. No, I so agree with you. What makes you um, unique, stand out as a judge of startups? And, um, you know, how can, how can startups use that insight to their advantage? Well, uh, I'll give you a brief about myself. Uh, I've started a company uh, a long time ago now, it seems, 2005, 2004. Uh, and what I did is when I grew the company to around 25 million, uh, it was acquired by an investor, uh, telecom company uh, outside the region. Uh, but most importantly, what I think puts me, and, and I'm so excited to be at Leap um, and meet everybody and meet the startups there. What puts me in a position to help is since 2016, I've actually followed my passion by helping hundreds of startups. Uh, I've helped tech companies establish, establish uh, a foothold in a very crowded and competitive market. I lecture, I speak, and I advise on numerous regional accelerators and funds, including the Mohammed bin Rashid Innovation Fund, the Oman Technology Fund, the Hope Fund of Bahrain, with my team at Brink. Uh, I talk about uh, addressing investor communication, pricing strategies, data analytics. I'm also a selection committee in several funds uh, where we decide, uh, specifically based in Asia, looking at opportunities within the GCC. Uh, and I help them on technology due diligence, a lot on a daily basis, I would say a lot of uh, companies uh, are sent to my desk in order to perform a technical due diligence and to decide whether to go ahead or not. So that's kind of the brief of why I think I'm going to be uh, maybe of value to a lot of startups uh, at Leap and looking forward, truly looking forward. A very direct and simple question, um, as questioners should be, 
How can you raise money better? How can you raise money better? That's, that's a very general question, Richard. How can you raise money better? I'd say this, and I'm going to go back to the first part. When you want to raise money, make sure that if you were an investor yourself, you'd invest in yourself. I know it's a, it's a roundabout question, but this is something that people don't do. At the end of the day, it's not about uh, learning about how the startup ecosystem works or how the fundraising ecosystem, or what people are doing. It's about the fundamentals. And specifically with how the economy is behaving today, we need to all get back to our fundamentals. I've been preaching fundamentals for the past five years. Fundamentals means what? Look at the basics. Let's look at your growth numbers. So how do you raise money better? By making sure that you decide how much you need first in order to get a growth milestone and then approaching an investor and saying, I need it for this, rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to fundraise. I have a lot of startups who come to me and say, hey, look, I want to raise. How much should I raise? And my, my answer to that question is, how much do you need and what do you need it for? So really, the approach is, is really important in fundraising. I guess that would be my answer for that question. We've talked about um, trust and engagement and about um, an emotional connection. You know, is pitching just about raising money or is it about something more? Okay, so is this about something more or raising money? I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be right out and say that pitching is about eventually raising money and that's it. Don't ever think, Richard, that your customers are going to hear about you pitching or it's going to help gain more customers or any traction. Any media coverage on your startup or your company that is from the investment point of view is not going to help you on your marketing side at all. And this is something that many people don't understand because the customers that you have to deal with, for example, if, I'm, if, I'm, um, if my customers are, I don't know, uh, pregnant ladies, for example, right? They're probably not going to be tuning into a podcast or information or media about in the investment rounds I've successfully had, <laughs> the competition I've, I've won. So, so really, it's an ecosystem that's kind of closed off from your customers yeah. in most cases, yeah. unless your customers are investors themselves. But that's a rare occasion. And well, uh, finally, I suppose, um, the, uh, <laughs> the sort of um, the money shot here. What's the best pitch that you've ever been witness to? Uh, that's a hard question. I don't want to favor anybody, but uh, <laughs> oh, come on, but come on, come on. <laughs> I, look, it's a lot of. If I mention a pitch, it becomes an endorsement, and endorsement is something well, that's very hard to give anonymously. At the end of the <laughs> anonymously. Well, look, the best pitch I've ever gotten. Uh, it was a recent. Well, it was. Look, there are many good pitches, but I'm I'm going to go for the past year. There was a pitch. Uh, that came that that a person was giving and their fundamentals were solid their numbers were solid and they kept it short I think the best pitch and I'm, I'm gonna just generalize it because I don't want to because right now we're in due diligence with this company and I want to make sure that we don't mention it okay. but generally speaking the company is gave a pitch that was two minutes and a half they hit the strong points and I'm, I'm telling you I don't want to be too graphic but the investors that I talked to were salivating to sit down and, <laughs> and with them on a second meeting. And part of it is, is, say, is being on point, saying exactly your growth milestones, not using those extremely annoying buzzwords that, I'm, that, that every time I hear it, I just say, okay, 
get to the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, I guess I guess it's, I, I kind of uh, weaved around your question, but generally speaking, it's it's the feeling that you get. It's it's about it's about not wasting the investor's time and giving us the most important information. Hamad, it has been extremely interesting uh, to hear from you. I thank you so much for taking the time. And of course, Hamad will be joining us for the next edition of Leap, taking place from February the 6th to the 9th, 2023, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So uh, we look very much forward to seeing him there. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Leap in Podcast series. Thank you.